Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into the Get Around Podcast episode Stranger Things, because this is episode 11, so uh, hopefully everybody out there at least gets that reference somewhat, knowing that's the most popular show going right now. I'm your host, Brendan Queeley. Uh, welcome into this wonderful episode. Joining me in the studio this week are, of course, our two favorite people. I am the third favorite person here in the sports department out of the three. We have Brett Summers and James Cook. Boys, how's life? Life's good. We get less hate mail than you. That is true. That's why I <laughs> That's why I said that of the three-person sports department here at the Record Eagle, I am the third favorite amongst the people. James, hanging in there? Hanging in there. That's what I like to hear. All right, welcome into this episode. We have got a lot of good stuff to go over today, and thankfully we're going to do our best not to be long-winded. Nate, what we've got for you, we're going to look at the two upcoming uh, football playoff matchups, including St. Francis taking on Ithaca and Central Lake in the eight-man championship game this Saturday, taking on Deckerville. Then we'll move on to other sports other than football, which is something we haven't talked about in a couple of weeks, or at least it seems that way. We're going to talk a little uh, volleyball. We'll talk some uh, golf and some cross country as well. And then we will get into our Get Around Hall of Fame, and someone will be elected this week, and I'm assuming that it's going to be my choice, but we'll see how that goes, I guess. And finally, we will wrap things up, as we always do, with the trifecta. And this week it is, again, we are outside the world of TV and film. We're going with our own best personal athletic achievement. And I know that mine's maybe the sport that I'm going to pick isn't, you don't really need to be an athlete, but uh, I'm still going to go with it anyway. So, Mathlete? Yeah, I would know. God, no, I was certainly not. I was. You were a mathlete? I was. Quiz Bowl and uh, Math League. Wow, that is quite impressive. Most journalists aren't, uh, they're more right-brained, and I think math is left-brained. It's one of the two. I think you've got that backwards, but (laughs) I think left side's creative, right side is more linear thinking. There we go. So I'm left-brained, I would would imagine. You'll probably get some hate mail for that. Yeah, (laughs) all the the right-brained people are like, how dare you? How dare you talk about us that way? Unbelievable. I'm going to get a, a letter from someone, and they're only going to sign it Record Eagle Reader because, you know, I guess you don't want to come at me with your name. I hope you're listening to this, honestly. Moving on. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the pulse as we check the heartbeat of the sports world. First up, we are talking about the Gladiators of Traverse City, St. Francis, taking on the Yellow Jackets of Ithaca. I really like that nickname. I don't know about you guys, but Yellow Jackets is pretty good. What What's the what's the college basketball team that's Yellow Jackets? Is that Georgia G- Tech. George, Georgia Tech, okay. And who is their most famous alumni? What is his name? Jarrett Jack? Was he a Georgia Tech guy? Well, wasn't Calvin Johnson a Georgia Tech guy in football? Okay. So we, I, I would say Calvin Johnson. Especially in this area. In this area, so, yeah. I didn't know that Megatron matriculated with the Yellow Jackets. Made his bones at the uh, University of Georgia Tech. Uh, let's get into that right now. St. Francis, Ithaca, the Glads are coming in at 11-1. and The Yellow Jackets are 12-0. and They actually won the title back in 2015 and were undefeated. I'm just going to run down some numbers because I was looking at this team. I did a little bit of like half-assed research, I guess you could call it, uh, on the team. Since 2010, they have five state titles and one runner-up. 
They went undefeated, uh, an undefeated 14-0 in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and as I mentioned before, 2015. They were 13-1 in 2014. Since 2010, this team is 106-2. I'm going to say that again. 106 wins to two losses in the last eight years. Uh, and, of course, the only matchup with St. Francis was back in 2015 when they defeated the Glads 28-19 to in the state semis. James, you are going to be going to that game. Brett, you have something well, you well, want to say, interject? A, a game, I believe, that St. Francis led in the fourth quarter. That I wouldn't know because I wasn't here at the time. I, I believe that's... We can check that later. But we'll go with it for now. It sounds good. All right, yeah. St. Francis had a lead in that game and then lost it and fell to those pesky Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. They got stung by the Yellow Jackets. Nice. So, have you seen their stadium? I have. It, I've passed you, it on the road. Yes. Yeah, you can see it from the highway. I mean, it, it is nice. It's Texas-like. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, is it? would you say it's nicer than Thurlby? Thurlby uh, is uh, a fantastic stadium. I mean, yeah, it's, Thurlby, it's beautiful. It, it's, it's newer, I guess. You know, I mean, it's smaller than Thurlby. But it's kind of newer, and it looks like they kind of concentrated some money in making it look nice. More yeah. plastic and hard steel, less marble when compared to Texas football high, high school stadiums. Okay. Have you seen a lot of Texas high school stadiums? I haven't football? seen a lot of them, but I've, the ones that make the news for like costing $70 million to build, I've seen those ones. Yeah, and don't you think like taxpayers would lose their minds over that? But they're all like, raise my taxes, take 90% of my income, and let's, let's build this stadium. Football, football, football. I think that's what they say. I think every day they just wake up and go football, 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 and that's they're the start three of the times day. the guy on the Central Lake. Oh, crowd. We'll we'll talk about him when we get to Central Lake. My Good favorite, tease, right? my favorite human being in the world. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but James, as I said, the St. Francis and Ithaca matchup coming up in the state semis. What are you expecting when you cover that game out in Mount Pleasant come Saturday afternoon? Uh, yes, like you said, seeing uh, an Ithaca team that is every year dominant. You know, and you, you can say the same thing pretty much about St. Francis. Um, but I think Ithaca has overall been a whole other level of dominance in this division. Um, and you know, I asked the players after the game against Millington after the semifinal or the regional final who they wanted to play because the, the Ithaca game was the following day. And, uh, you know, most of them gave me the, you know, we don't care who we play. Uh, Joey Muzlakovich was like, I'd like to see Ithaca again. You know, he's like, I don't care who we play, really, but it'd be nice to get another shot at Ithaca because he was on the team two years ago that lost to them in 2015. So he was a sophomore at the time. Was he starting, or was he he was just part of the team? I think he was maybe a rotational guy, um, not like not the star of the team he is now. Um, but, I, I, you know, he played, I believe, as a sophomore. We, we had to learn how to spell that name early. Yeah, like I said, just take the J out, man. Make our life easier. Lose that J, and we're we're gonna be fine. Yeah. So they're uh, they're one of their best players, also named Joey. Uh, Joey Bentley, their quarterback. Uh, he's got over almost eight nineteen hundred passing yards, twenty seven TDs, only seven interceptions, and over fourteen hundred yards rushing for another twenty four TDs. So he's accounted for over fifty touchdowns this season. Aside from the guy that he's throwing to, does anyone else on that team touch the ball? Uh, their next leading rusher is, yeah, like 500 yards. So not much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has 148 carries on the team. The next highest is 63. 
the good news is is that kind of that might play into St. Francis's defensive strength as far as a pass coverage unit, and you know the one guy you have to stop. You don't have to overthink it. Mm-hmm. And their and their receiving yards are spread out too. They have three different receivers who all have about 500 yards. So they've spread the ball out that way. So the secondary is going to have its handful because they're not going to know exactly who it's coming for. They don't have one dominant wide receiver that they just always go to. Are they three you know. corners deep? Do they have who who are the next two best guys behind Artie Dutmers? Well, it depends on who who's healthy. But uh, Hetfield came in last week and played pretty well in in uh, you know in some duty after a guy got hurt. But uh, you know they, they the secondary is just I mean Dutmers will probably just take one of those receivers away. Um, I mean if they watch the Millington tape, they probably just won't even go at Dutmers. I would think Millington didn't stay away from Dutmers and it burned them. I mean you know on the on the fourth down that they had to get to kind of keep the game going, they went at the guy that Dutmers was covering, who was their best receiver, and Dutmers just knocked it down. When Sellers, his coaching staff, and those kids are looking at the film on Ithaca, what do you think is going to stand out? Is it going to be the quarterback play? Is that where Sellers is going to say, this, this is where we have to stop them? Or are they going to be preparing for other factors outside of that? I, I think you're going to have to. It's going to be. It's going to start with that quarterback. I think the good thing is is that they played Glenn Lake twice this year, and stati- looking at it statistically, they're kind of a similar team to Glenn Lake in that Kate Peterson throws the ball a lot, also runs as their leading rusher. Um, so they've played that kind of quarterback, you know, high level quarterback twice already, but and they were able to do pretty well against Peterson as well. Is Peterson in the same class as this kid? What's his name again? I'm sorry, it, it, Joey Bentley. Okay, so Joey Bentley. Uh, Statistically, you would say that he's an improved version of Cade Peterson. Okay, so what you'd say is like Peterson's a Cadillac and Bentley is a Bentley. Basically. Nice wordplay. Thank you. I appreciate that. It should have gotten more adapt than you guys gave me, but whatever. So, <laughs> um, But they, that St. Francis defense, you believe, has the ability to it maybe not uh, control them completely, but maybe at least put the reins on them a little bit? I think so. I mean, uh, you know, Bryce Bears, the quarterback for Millington, came in as a similar type of guy, more of a pure passer than than runner, not the, not the same kind of runner that uh, Bentley is. But they really generated a lot of pass rush on him, and really took him out of the game. He was like he was nine for twenty five for under hundred yards, and that's like an all state level quarterback. And they just took him out of the game. I'm gonna say this is a question for both of you guys right here, as I do want to get both of your takes on it. Does the history of the Ithaca program, would that be kind of intimidating, do you think, to the Gladiators? Is that something that they look at and go, man, this this program's been good for a very long time. They've been dominant for the last for the better part of a decade. Do they look at that, or do you think Sellers has kind of kept that quiet from them? I mean, I, they're, they're football players. They know who Ithaca is, right? Yeah, I don't. to be honest, I don't think it plays any factor at all, and I don't think it has anything to do with uh, Coach Sellers bringing it up or not bringing it up. I mean, it's kind of like looking in a mirror. Uh, St. Francis is probably the next closest thing or uh, as far as history and tradition uh, at that level. And so both programs, they've won a bunch of state titles. Both programs have won a lot of games, aren't used to losing. And if it could just so happens to have the last victory uh, in the previous matchup, and, you know, there's still some guys from that. So, you know, as you mentioned, St. Francis is looking forward to trying to, to flip the script on that one. So I, I don't think what Ithaca has 
been or what they've done in the last decade or so, I don't think it has any meaning whatsoever uh, Saturday. I, I don't know. It may a little bit. Uh, um, you know, like you said, Ithaca's like just pure outright dominance in the last seven years or something. But I think they do want a shot at these guys because you know to be the best, you got to go through the best. And and Ithaca in this division is the best program of the last decade. I I think James, I got to go a little, a little more with you as well. I think that it is going to play a factor, and I'm not sure if that's going to play a factor in as you were just saying, got to be the best, you know, uh, you have to be the beat the best to be the best. So that might, I think that may play into the advantage of the Gladiators if they have that right mindset. They don't seem like a team that gets intimidated. That, that doesn't seem like a team over there with players who shy away from anything, whether it's contact on the field or challenges off the field. They, they go at it headstrong, and maybe seeing that team and thinking, you know, you know what, maybe those Yellow Jackets over there, maybe they're taking us lightly. Maybe they think that we can't hit them in the mouth. And then they go out there and they throw a haymaker, hit him in the mouth. And uh, that's, I mean, obviously here as a, as a Traverse City guy, I want to see the, the Gladiators win. It's the, the better story and, and certainly uh, would, would make for, uh, you know, good, good stories going forward if you have St. Francis in the state championship game. But it is going to be probably their biggest test of the year. Wouldn't you agree, James? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, maybe even bigger than if they get through this. I mean, you know, if they get through this, you're looking at, what is it, Jackson, Lumen Christie in the other half of the bracket? Right, so is this the state championship game? Uh, well, I mean, Lumen Christie won last year. That is true. Uh, I mean, they beat Glen Lake in that game, and, and that game wasn't particularly close either. I think the winner of this game, I think maybe might be the favorite. I mean, you have to look at Ithaca as every year the favorite until somebody takes them down. Um, and if St. Francis does, then I think you got to kind of make them the favorite by proxy. Well, speaking of championships, we do have a championship game this Saturday as Central Lake takes on Deckerville at 11 a.m. in the morning up in the UP at the Superior Dome at Northern Michigan University. I was able to be out at the game, uh, the, the, the state semis, on Saturday in the snow and uh, was pretty impressed with, uh, with what that team was able to do. This is the first year for Central Lake in the eight-man, and here they are sitting at 12-0 and and going into a championship game. Uh, this is going to be the first meeting for Central Lake with, the, uh, with them being uh, here in the eight-man for the first year. But Deckerville, they reached the finals uh, last year, and they lost. They were in the uh, state semis the previous two seasons, and uh, when I was talking to head coach Rob Hickey at the end of the game, he said that Deckerville is going to be coming into that game with a chip on their shoulder, uh, that they want to finally put that state trophy in their trophy case. Uh, and then he said, but so do we. You know, so does that, uh, that Central Lake team. They are looking to uh, continue to use that three-headed monster of Grant Papineau and Skylar Spangler and quarterback uh, Gavin Mortensen, who can make a good pass when he needs to and can also, uh, can also run the ball. Uh, you know, both of you guys have now seen Central Lake, Brett and, and James. You've both seen them. Uh, what do you think that uh, they can bring to the table uh, as an eight-man team that maybe they learn some lessons uh, as being an 11-man team? Well, I think right now, even beyond that, is they're just they're kind of playing with house money. Um, they didn't expect to be here when the season started. This, I mean, maybe was on a ultimate goal list, but it wasn't something that they were focused on from the outset. 
So I just I feel like there's not going to be much pressure on them going into this game because they've already accomplished more than anybody, including themselves, expected to this point. And uh, so you just go out and you do the same thing that you've been doing for 12 weeks. And for 12 weeks it's worked, so there's no, no point in you know altering your game plan. I mean, obviously you have to be ready for the opponent who does have experience reaching this point in the postseason. But I feel like you know they're they're on pretty even ground i'm not sure i'm not sure that at this point whether or not they were playing eight man football this time last year or at all in in their past whether that matters anymore see i have to wonder when this team actually started to believe in itself because we talked about it on the after dark uh, episode that was put up on on Sunday, if you, if, by the way, listeners, if you want a little more breakdown on the four games that we covered from this past week, including uh, Traverse City Central and Frankfurt's, uh, the, both of those losses, please check out that episode. But the the quote that we talked about from Spangler saying that never in his life, never in his, in his entire life, did he think that he'd be playing for a state championship. I was kind of thinking about that, and I believe the point at which that team really started to believe that they can do this was the win against Onekama. I think all three of us, and I'm talking to uh, to others, I think we all kind of believed that that was Onekama's game, that Onekama was going to go into Central Lake and pick up that win, and that did not happen. I mean, it was that early on that game was one punch uh, after the other. Both of those teams were, were really taking it to each other, and then Central Lake was, was able to pull away. I really think not only did it give them the conference, but it gave them the confidence that they really needed to go forward. And as you said, Brett, playing with house money. So yeah, they're out there having fun. There's no, I, I don't see any players either on the field or on the sideline or any coaches that are tight. There's, there's no shouting there's other than cheering. The only shouting that's going on is cheering, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'll bring that guy up right now. There is, uh, I don't know who he is. I've never seen him, and I've looked into the stands to try to find him, but at the two Central Lake games that I have attended this year, there is a gentleman who loves to yell, tackle football, like nonstop throughout the entire game, and it's my favorite thing. Every time I hear it, I smile or I laugh to myself, and I hope this guy doesn't take this personally or anything like that. Dude, I love it. Keep doing it. Keep shouting tackle football i hope that when i'm in the superior dome on saturday that i can hear that echoing throughout the building that's that i mean that's really all i have to say about that guy it's it's just he is amped up for that trojan team yeah well and deckerville coming into that game i mean they they lost in the semifinals in 14 and 15 in eight man they won the 2012 title over bel-air um which i believe was one of the first years that eight man had a that, that, that eight man had its own official state final, so that was MHSA approved. There was a year before that, I think, where it was uh, the, just the eight man football coaches association just put two teams in the finals, and Bel Air was one of them. But uh, um, so they won the first, I think, eight man state title, and looking to have another one. Central Lake obviously looking to get its its first one. I, you know, I think they have a, I think they have a pretty legit chance. Don't you? Well, I, you know, I don't look at Deckerville as a similar program as Ithaca when it comes to like tradition and dominance, uh, but I believe it's it should be a very good game. The only question here is 
will Deckerville have the defense to stop uh, Papineau or, or Spangler? And so far, with the way that uh, you know Grant is running and just going as much as he can, uh, I, 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 like I said, I watched him seek out defenders. You've James, you've seen him seek out defenders. Mm-hmm. There, there is a, an opening, possibly on the other side of the field. But he goes, no, I'm gonna go hit that kid because this is tackle football, and he wants to go. You know, he wants to go do it. If they can't stop his power running, if they can't stop the quickness of uh, of Spangler and the way that kid can can cut and move both outside and through uh, through up the middle, I I think this is a win for Central Lake. They believe in themselves so much. They love each other so much. That is a very close team that came back this year and said, we want to play football. This is what we want to do. We're not forced to be out here. We're not doing this because we feel obligated to play football. We want to play football. We're having fun. We're winning. We're 12-0, and and now we want to be 13-0. and Absolutely. And w- one, of the, uh, one of the interesting things or, or keys, I guess, in this matchup that I'll be curious to see how it kind of shakes out is just like you said, Brendan, that offense, but more specifically, they're averaging over 50 points a game on the season, Central Lake, that is. And I did a little math before um, that did not include uh, their their semifinal win, uh, but uh, but it, even if you include that one now, they've played eight different playoff teams at some point this season, and they've averaged over 50 points a game against those eight. Uh, Deckerville has not given up more than 36 points at any point in this season. So, uh, I mean, especially in the eight-man game where things are a little more open, that that tells me that they probably have a pretty good defense. And uh, so maybe you've got a little bit of strength versus strength there uh, in that matchup. So I'll be curious to see what kind of number the Trojans can hang on the hang on the Uperdome board. Yeah, I think if they can if they can put up a touchdown on their first possession of the game, uh, that would be big and. And they did that against Stevenson. They got six points on the board uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Brett, you were following me as I was tweeting, and it was, uh, like I said, I had tweeted out a final prediction of the score for this game, 98-84, to because it just seemed like both teams were going to score on every single possession. It was really just going to be who had the ball last. But the you know Central Lake uh, came out with a, with a strong defense. The other thing that I'm, I'm kind of curious to see is if Central Lake does get down, how they're going to respond. If they... If they kind of fall behind by maybe a touchdown or two, are they going to start playing tight after that? Uh, but, you know, a Deckerville has to be good enough to put them in that position. Deckerville has to be good enough both offensively and defensively to get up on Central Lake. And I don't know if I necessarily see that happening. Yeah, I think, you know, you got Papana. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see the, the difference of Central Lake on turf or an eight-man game on turf. I mean, it's already... A wide open game, and then you put it on the AstroTurf on top of that. Um, but Papinot, he just runs. He's a punishing runner. I, I think is, is maybe a good term for that. I think I used angry before. Uh, but uh, he's he's he runs a lot like Joe Mislakovich, in that he's not afraid of contact whatsoever. Um, and sometimes we'll just seek it out and be like, I'm going to go through you rather than around you. And I don't think a whole lot of eight-man teams see that, you know, because so many more, so much in eight-man, your running backs are guys that you want to get in space, and they try to outrun you rather than go through you. And I just don't think the teams are 
are used to seeing that and have a running back that's a big kid like he is as well, and then that, that just lowers his shoulder down and, and says, I'm going to go through you. Well, after this weekend, after this Saturday, we are going to have either one or zero football teams left to follow. Uh, again, if Central Lake wins, they win a state championship. If St. Francis wins, they move on to the state championship. But if they lose, we could be sitting here next Monday with uh, with zero teams left to cover because everything else is over right now. So it could be the end of the road for our sports coverage until basketball season starts, but I think we're all hoping that St. Francis is going to get that win. But uh, moving on now to our over and under reactions here, uh, we are going to talk a little volleyball first, and I know volleyball seems to be over at this point as well. I know there's still some uh, state championships left to be played, but most of our teams are out of it, and those include some pretty heavy hitters in Leland, Forest Area, Kingsley, and St. Francis. So my over-under here, we had Kingsley get knocked out by Cadillac. That was in a very difficult district. And then we had Leland Forest Area and St. Francis, uh, perennial contenders. They bowed out in the regional. So the over-and-under reaction here is that we expected those early exits. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that we would have that, the, all those teams or even a whole bunch of them, I think, out that early. It was like the St. Valentine's Day massacre, except for not on St. Valentine's Day. Yeah, I mean, Kingsley was one. We knew they had to get through that hurdle of playing Cadillac right off the bat. And I think that if they had gotten through that match, that they may still also be playing. Um, Cadillac is still going. Cadillac, yeah, they are. And, and it's I our, think, our one area team that's that's still alive. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that if, Cad, if Kingsley had won that match, that they would be in the place that Cadillac is right now and be in the Final Four. I don't think any of us expected Leland to take that early of, a, of an exit. To be fair, though, they had a really tough draw. Um, Roger City made the Final Four last year. They just happened to be on the opposite side of the bracket from Leland. Leland and Roger City both lost in the semifinals a year ago. And... Uh, they have a girl. I mean, they've got a couple of really good players, but one in particular, uh, Taylor Fleming, who's just an outstanding hitter. Um, uh, Leland could just basically do their best to contain her, but she still got hers. I think. I think in that semifinal match, she had like twenty-five kills. Uh, went five sets, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, Brett, you were at that one, and you said that was some of the most entertaining volleyball that you've ever seen. Or I, I'm forgetting how you phrased it exactly. Yeah, I said. Well, I think it. I think it was the best high school volleyball match that I've ever seen, and uh, I was just drawing that conclusion based on the fact that it was like two and a half hours long, and it wasn't until I was walking out of the building, I thought I was maybe going to have time to drive back to the office to file the story, and I went to text you guys, and I was like, "Oh, it's after ten o'clock already. I guess I'm not driving back to Traverse City." <laughs> yeah. So you spent the night in the McDonald's, right? Yeah, I did. Shout out to those guys at the Bel Air Mickey D's for holding the lobby open, lobby open for me after hours. Those are kind employees, especially if you work at McDonald's. I assume you want to get out of there as soon as humanly possible, but uh, yeah, kudos to them for being nice to you. I promise to be clean and quiet because, I, I mean, they did have to keep the drive through open, so it's not like they could just go home. Right, mm-hmm. okay, gotcha. The, the Benzie one has been very hospitable, too. Yeah, I can't go near McDonald's because uh, I got uh, food poisoning from them when I was in eighth grade, and the smell of it still makes me nauseous. So I can't, I have to roll up my windows every time I drive by a McDonald's. I can't, the smell makes me... uh, But the french fries. No, nothing. 
Nothing at all. It's, um, I know a lot of other, and the funny thing is, is that I used to love McDonald's. I mean, I remember as a child, like, every Friday, it was TJF on ABC and a triple cheeseburger with fries. That is how I got fat. At the risk of losing McDonald's as a potential right. get-around sponsor, <laughs> I mean, the good part is is it's not particularly healthy or good for you in any way. Not even their salads are good for you. You can still sponsor us, McDonald's. I just, you know. We like your Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is, is helpful. I have, yes, sat in a McDonald's parking lot and kept my car going with the, uh, the button that you put to keep... Like the just the air circulating inside, so nothing from the outside gets in. You know, you got to use that like when you're driving behind like a stinky truck or something like that. So, yep, good McDonald's talk here, guys. Straight up, they are they are loving this. Ba 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 ba. Oh yeah. So St. Francis, I think they had a bit of a more of a down year than we have than they've had in the last couple, right? Made a, a big part of that, obviously, is Juliana Phillips going on to the collegiate level. That is what I was going to mention, yes. Mm-hmm. So was that, the, I mean, was the biggest surprise Leland or maybe Forest Area the next biggest surprise going out after they had such a, uh, I mean, they had 49 wins, which was a school record. They won their third district championship in a row. They won seven tournaments during the season, which was also a school record. Uh, and I think they've had like 95 wins in the last two seasons so was them uh, going out that I mean I don't know if it's early but you know going out the the same day that we saw everybody else go out and I mean I was just I was counting those up and going man we are our coverage area is getting killed right now I mean I guess when you break it down matchup by matchup I mean it's not shocking that any of these teams lost at the, I mean we're talking about you know regional semifinals region you know you're not far from going down to Battle Creek. So all of these teams are quality teams. Um, I think it's more just a surprise because it was all of them together on the same night. And we've just grown accustomed to at least one team making it down to Battle Creek. James hasn't had a deer hunting season in years. Not a full one. No. Usually a day or two, and then I have to go down to Battle Creek. So, you know, thanks to all of you for bowing out early because now James gets to... Go try to put food on the table. Maybe I can hang a deer this year. Maybe. Thank you. Maybe. Or, you know, like you probably just have a couple of uh, alcoholic beverages, sit in a blind, and maybe watch some deer go by and, you know. Maybe fall asleep, maybe. Fall asleep and, uh, you know, resist the urge to kill an animal. I haven't been very good at doing that anyway. Killing animals, unless it's uh, an already dead deer that you hit while you're driving home. Yeah. So, Wait, that one was already dead? Yeah, so How did I miss this? <laughs> yeah, that was last year during basketball season, I think. I, I was on the way back from Bel Air. Well, yeah, I remember. I just didn't remember it already being dead. Yeah, another a, a truck, a semi truck coming from the other way hit it, coming from the other direction. Like you saw the semi hit the it. The semi like hit it and threw it into the lane in front of me, and then I ran over. It was a huge deer. I mean, it it messed up the bottom of my car. So I, if it I, wasn't dead after the semi hit, it was <laughs> definitely dead after you ran over its. Uh, Probably lifeless carcass at that point. Yeah. Uh, Highways are a dangerous place. Yeah. You got to be careful about those. Sometimes you slide into the, or almost slide into the back of a minivan, but somehow are able to turn into oncoming traffic where thankfully there was no oncoming traffic. Maybe you should have just listened to me. Maybe I should have just listened to you and, you know, 
mommy. I guess I should have listened to my mommy, Brett Summers, and not tried to drive out to Houghton Lake and cover volleyball. So, my mistake. Sorry, mommy. You're just looking out for the best for you. I know. You're, you're a good mom. I appreciate it. Moving on, let's talk a little golf. Uh, Annika D, surprise, surprise, right? We were all... I mean, this game was a shock to everybody. Shocked. Yeah, the, I can't believe it. That she won, she won Miss Golf for the second year in a row, uh, after also picking up her second straight individual title in Division One. So, she's good. I think that's been discussed. But over or under here, D wins her third state individual title, her third team uh, state title and her third Miss Golf in 2018, over or under reaction? Or is it just a correct prediction? I'd say it's a correct prediction. I think something that could make it really interesting, though, is I think next year that you very well could have her younger sister, Ansi, playing that runner-up role at the state finals and potentially pushing big sister for for a state championship. I, think, I believe Ansi finished sixth this year, so... A uh, year under her belt, come back as a sophomore, and those very well may be the top two golfers in the state of Michigan. And I definitely think so. And when I was talking to Ansi at the at the state final, she said, you know, that just sibling rivalries aside, she said, I want to beat Annika. So she want she wants to win the state title next year and take it away from her sister. Yeah, Annika's small, but she casts a big shadow when it comes to uh, the other golfers and certainly uh, her little sister. But we could see a D win Miss Golf or the state title for, what, five years in a row? It could be a five-year streak. Which is, I mean, we've talked about it, that is a, a dynasty, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a D dynasty, no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, what they've, uh, you know, what she has done, and I, I was able to talk to her uh, last week, and she was, she's humble, but she knows how good she is. I think that's the best way to put it. She knows that she is one of the best golfers in the state, if not uh, in the, one of the best high school golfers in the country. I asked, and I said, "Hey, are you surprised by, you know, by winning Miss Golf?" She goes, "I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I kind of expected to win, you know, but it, she's like, that doesn't take away from how special this is." And I also asked her. I said, "Hey, do you picture yourself winning?" A PG or an, uh, a tournament on the LPGA tour, and she said again, "I'm not gonna lie. Of course, I pictured myself there. You know why? Why would I continue to play if I didn't see myself as being one of the best or or winning? You know, at that level." And I went, "Well, that's a good point." And I guess I asked a stupid question, but um, no, she was. You know, I talked to her last year after she won the the state title as an individual, and I was, you know, it was uh, it was a pleasure again talking to her uh, last week on the phone. She just seems like a good kid, a hard worker, and one who won't shy away from the accolades. And I think that is, you know, you do have, there is that humility sometimes where they go, I don't really deserve that. I like that she is confident enough in herself where she says, yes, I do deserve this. I worked hard, and this is mine. Moving on from Traverse City West to Traverse City Central, uh, talk about a little C.L. Carney, who we just learned, or at least I just learned, that her last name is pronounced Carney and not Kearney, and we've been calling her Kearney, or at least I've been calling her Kearney for, uh, well, my 
duration of my employment here at the Traverse City Record Eagle, which is just over a year. So, CL, we do uh, apologize. God, I hope her first name is pronounced CL. That's why we're not on TV. That is why we're not on TV. That and our ugly faces. But uh, it, well, it, well, another thing that was weird is that when I was at the Central Lake game, there were people shouting, let's go CL, and I went, is CL Carney here? <laughs> and then I went, oh, Central Lake, C and L, I got it. But for like a, for a split second, I went, wait, who, what are they shouting, and why are they shouting that? I didn't know she was running cross country here in the snow. Uh, but CL, uh, one of the most dominant runners in Division One and uh, in the state as well, she signed with Big Ten um, College Northwestern, and uh, is going to be a Wildcat and compete for the Wildcats next uh, next year. And so with the over-under here, she's a very talented runner. We all know that. The over-under reaction that I have here is Kearney wins an NCAA championship in her four years at Northwestern. If, one, she stays at Northwestern for the four years, and two, if she competes all four years. There are some athletes that go on to college and sometimes step away from the sport if if being at college is is, uh, is too much to handle along with athletics because it is a very difficult thing to balance. Um, I, th- I think it's a pretty tough ask to, to guarantee something like that. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if she did um, because, uh, you know, Lisa Taylor's talked about how, how hard she works and how much, she, how much work she puts into this and her preparation and everything. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that success that she's had on the high school level translates over to... Uh, to the college level, but man, a, a national championship is a that's a tough ask. Well, yeah, certainly since she didn't win a state championship, so in her in her four years, but she yeah. came close. I mean, she was what top uh, seven every year. Yeah, and what was she? Thirteen seconds, fourteen seconds behind uh, the the first place finisher this year. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Carney not winning the state title this year and coming in second was that uh, Central cross country coach Lisa Taylor said that. She felt like had that race been a little bit longer, uh, maybe like 500 meters or so, CL may have overtaken the leader. She was she was that strong at the finish, and uh, I think at the college level, uh, races can be a little bit longer, uh, like at least a thousand uh, thousand meters uh, for the women's races. And uh, so you know, it, it seems like CL is just one of those runners that gets stronger as she goes. So that could certainly push her into the upper echelon of collegiate runners, I think. And you know, I think I've mentioned it before as well that uh, Lisa Taylor has talked about how she envisions CL at some point um, competing in the Olympics as a marathon runner. Uh, she said she was watching the New York City Marathon, and when the United States uh, woman who won that race crossed, she was she was thinking of CL and thinking that's the caliber of runner that. Uh, CL is and and can become. Um, I asked CL. I did the recruiting story uh, when she signed with Northwestern, and she kind of said she hasn't really set those goals for herself yet, as far as what she wants to accomplish in college. She's just focused on continuing to keep running fun. Um, that seemingly ha- strategy has continued to pay off so far, because even in high school, she was never focused on winning a state title. It was about let's keep running fun and let that take us where where it may and uh that strategy seems to be working out pretty well yeah i thought that was interesting in in that article that you wrote that you know taylor hadn't 
talk to Carney so much about, hey, this is what you could be, you you know, or anything like that. She was always just focused on what CL was at the time and allowed her to be that runner while improving. And do you know why she chose Northwestern, why that was her college of choice? She said it was between Northwestern and Loyola Marymount, and uh, she just she she said she really liked the campus. She she liked the team. I mean, it was kind of a similar to what we hear from a lot of athletes when we do these signing stories that you know she visited twice and uh, it just felt like the right fit. And uh, I don't know about you guys, maybe that was kind of similar when you were choosing college, even if it wasn't for a college athletics, but. Uh, I mean, I it was kind of the same way with Madison. It just that that felt like the right place for me. So, so that explanation's good enough for me. All right. Well, yeah. Congrats to to Carney on on signing with Northwestern. Evanston is a beautiful part of Illinois. You know, northwest uh, suburbs of Chicago. She'll be able to you know enjoy everything that Chicago has to offer as well. And uh, yeah, I. I I wanted to go to Northwestern, I know that, and it's possible that someday if I decide to go back to school and get my doctorate, that Northwestern is is certainly an option for me. But enough about me, nobody cares about me or what I might possibly do in the future, so who... It's okay, Brendan, I too contemplated graduate school at Northwestern, so... Oh, maybe you and I can go together. I'll have my mommy (laughs) at graduate school with me, that would be so nice, and you can take me to McDonald's and get fries, so... Moving on now to the Get Around Hall of Fame, despite uh, not having many sports left going uh, other than football, which is what we got going right now, we do have three nominations to go up, or do we just have two? We just have two. Brett's not putting anybody up this week because really there are only two, uh, two players that, are, that, are, that really had a performance uh, worthy enough of being nominated, and... Well, I'm going to go ahead and get started on mine. I'm going to go with the kid that I saw on Saturday, and that was Grant Papineau, who ran for 241 yards and four touchdowns on 30 carries, and he also had a 65-yard fumble return for a touchdown in which one of the Stevenson defenders uh, or offensive players turned defender basically just stepped aside and let him get into the end zone because he didn't want to get hit, and I can't blame the kid. So my nomination is GP. I'm going to put up uh, Joey Muzlakovich. Um, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't put him up already this season. Well, if he doesn't at, get at in now, point. we know he's getting in for baseball. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much a, a shoe-in at some point, too. Um, I mean, he had 18 carries for 131 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 7.3 a carry, um, and just really took it to Millington's defense. I mean, uh, a similar runner to, to Grant and that you know doesn't shy away from contact at all. And I think the, the one of the big things was against Millington, St. Francis never lost yards. They they were gaining even if it was only two, they were gaining t- you know yardage on every play. Millington was getting hit with sacks, hit tackles for losses, stuff like that. So they were third and thirteen, you know, quite a bit. St. Francis never had that. It was always third and manageable. Um, and and a big part of that is Muzlakovich as well as the other running backs like uh, George Mackey, Evan McGee, and Teddy Pritchard, Keaton Peck, you know stuff like that. Those guys. But uh, you know Muzlakovich is a guy who's just been consistent all year long um, and one of the better runners around here. All right, Brett, we're going to start with you since since you didn't have a nomination. Who's your vote? Yeah, assuming that you are each going to vote for your own, I begrudgingly will cede the victory to Brendan. 
Uh, it's like five not, weeks not in a row. Not because Grant, think. not because Grant Papineau does not deserve it, because he certainly does, and he is the correct choice here. And uh, not that Joey doesn't either. But uh, we all know he's getting in just during the baseball fact, season. That's, that's true. Because he's going to have a game where he strikes out seventeen kids. I, I mean, he had what more than a few games last year. He was striking out fifteen or sixteen. So I don't think seventeen is a stretch. But uh, pretty hard to turn away a kid who runs for over 200 yards and four scores. Four, yeah, um, plus the fumble return. Lead, leading, leading his team to a state championship game appearance. So um, as you mentioned earlier, we know either way Central Lake's done after this week. If uh, St. Francis moves along, maybe they'll have uh, another opportunity at the Get Around Hall of Fame next week. James, who's your vote? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll go with Papadot just for some of the same reasons you said. I'm going to go with Muzlakovich Muz- then. I think Muzlakovich is going to get in in baseball, um, and they have that possibility, like like Brett said, of maybe they're playing another week, and they're the only game, basically, we're going to have to choose from. Right, we'll have three St. Francis players for the Get Around Hall of Fame, or more likely we'll do a retroactive Hall of Fame next week. So, uh, yeah, I am also voting for Grant, so that makes it a uh, clean sweep 3-0. So congratulations to Central Lakes Grand Papineau on being this week's inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Now, moving on to our last bit of business here on this week's episode, let's get into the trifecta. This week we are looking at our best personal athletic achievement. And I have brought a list similar to Brett in the past. I don't know if Brett brought his regular B. Summers, B.A. Summers sports writer list that he normally does. I would expect nothing less if he did. Uh, but um, who wants to go first? Let's start with you, Brendan. All right, we will start with me. I'm gonna, I do have a list. So one of these, uh, in one inning, I made all three outs at second base. I had a pop fly, and then I had a, uh, I picked off a kid. Well, I mean, I didn't as the pitcher, but I gave the pitcher the old head nod, and I was able to block the guy sliding back in. And this was after a leadoff double, so it was a leadoff double. I had a, I mean, sky-high pop fly that I brought in. Then we picked the guy off at second base, and then I had another sky-high pop fly that I brought in. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed making all three outs there. Uh, I made a bare hand play at second base where I was going, and I was uh, down on the ball. It hit a pebble or something went up really high and I was able to to grab it with my bare hand and get the guy out at first which was pretty amazing. I also threw out uh, a runner at third base from center field. Uh, I mean that was probably the hardest it was a just a line drive right to third. It was it was perfect and the uh, I was really happy about that. That ended an inning and uh, and a threat by the other team. And of course I stole home after the uh, I wrote a column about this. But the, the pitcher hit me on purpose. I walked to first base, then I stole second, stole third, and then stole home when I just started walking down the third baseline. He tried to pick me off at third because he wasn't thinking that if he just threw a pitch that I would have been out. But I kind of figured he was going to try to pick me off at third. He did that, uh, and I was able to steal home and, uh, and get under the tag. But my personal greatest achievement in athletics does not have anything to do with uh, baseball. In fact, it's bowling. At one point, uh, my the highest game in my bowling career is a 290. I started off with a nine spare and then struck out the rest of the game. Uh, and I actually ended up with 14 strikes in a row. I then struck the next, uh, the first three frames of the next game. I did all of this 
while slightly inebri uh, inebriated, I guess I'm inebriated right now since I couldn't even say the word inebriated, but yeah, the, uh, you know, I had a few drinks and it was, I think it was a Friday night and the, uh, the waitresses were also coming around with like sh uh, shots, entrees, you know, selling those and I took a couple of those. What kind of bowling alley were you bowling at? The best kind? <laughs> the best kind of bowling alley. <laughs> Is the one that is bringing you alcohol while you're uh, while you're bowling, but it was just it was a, an example of one of those times where it, it's peak alcohol helpfulness in athletics, right? If you have a couple of drinks, suddenly you're relaxed enough where you're you're hitting you know twenties on on darts all the time, or you're making incredible shots if you're playing pool. This just happened to be the time when it worked for me for bowling, and uh, so yeah. Bowling a 290, I have yet to throw a 300 in my career, which is unfortunate, um, but I'll take a 290, and I'll take 14 strikes in a row as my greatest personal, quote, athletic achievement. So, yes, I did just do air quotes here in the studio. You couldn't see that, but, yes, quote around, quotes around athletic. All right, well, I didn't bring a list today, Brendan. I left that to you. What? Interestingly enough, or maybe it's not interesting. Doesn't sound interesting so far. <laughs> uh, it happened in baseball when that was not the primary of my uh, athletic career in high school. Um, I played football and basketball forever from the time I was little through high school, but I didn't play baseball till my senior year. And um, but it was on the diamond. Uh, we had a we weren't very good. Uh, so we had to go play a road playoff game. We, we had one pitcher on that team, and the only games we won all year long were the ones that he was on the mound for. Um, but so we went on the road as the underseeded team, and uh, it was kind of a pitcher's duel early between this kid that we only ever win for. Um, and uh, I think it was 0-0 in the fourth inning, and I came up to bat, with uh, two on and two out in the fourth, and I mean not a terribly impressive hit, but delivered a kind of a line drive right back up over the second base bag. Drove those two guys in, and it ended up being the first two runs of seven that we scored with two outs, and uh, won the won the game as the underseeded team and uh, moved on. So that that is definitely. Uh, my best athletic achievement. I'm surprised that you don't have any kind of weightlifting thing in there. Didn't you like lift like a thousand pounds or like a car off of a baby or something? I guess, but I've never done that competitively, so I that never even crossed my mind. Dude, my bowling wasn't competitively. I was out with friends on a Friday night drinking my ass off. <laughs> Competitive drinking. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> shortly after I had like another couple of shots, my bowling game did go down the tubes. I was I was I hit that perfect time and then right after that it it sunk on me. Just hit the wall. How much what's the most weight you've ever lifted? Well, it depends on the lift. Which lift? The like literally the most weight, whether it's deadlift or leg squats or Okay, literally size. <laughs> literally the most um I think I did like a a yoke carry that was like 
Well, no, are you I say two thousand pounds. No, I was gonna oh. say seven hundred. Oh god! Um, I, I, I thought I saw your mouth starting to form the word two, and I went, it's "Not gonna be two hundred. No, no, it was. I think it was like seven hundred for a fifty-foot carry or something like that. That's um, impressive. I mean, that's like a cow. I think a cow weighs seven hundred. That'd pounds. be a small cow. A small cow. Small, like yeah. not a calf, but maybe a yearling. Okay. Maybe a half yearling. Half a yearling? Yes. So a six monthling? <laughs> yes. I think that's the uh, that's the correct term. So, James, your personal athletic achievement that you are most proud of, which you are most proud. I don't like to end sentences and prepositions. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, mine. I was a wrestler in high school, um, and and mine, coincidentally for the St. Francis fans, comes against Ithaca. Um, Maybe that's a good uh, omen. Yeah, it could be. Um, we were coming into this match, I think, I think it was my junior year, um, and we had two 103-pounders and no 112-pounder my junior year. So we had two kids, and I was the better of the two, so the coach would just, I would have to wrestle the, the tougher of the two opponents usually. And so we go to this, this meet at Ithaca, and when, during weigh-ins, I'm a half a pound over for 103 and so I end up going back in the locker room, going in the, in the shower, turning all the showers on hot, putting on every piece of clothing I had, including my uniform and my varsity jacket and all this stuff, and jumping rope and spitting with lemon drops um, to see, lose that half pound. See, that's the great thing about wrestling is that it, it really takes into account your health. You know, <laughs> it's really like, oh man, well, I've got to cut six pounds in 45 minutes. Uh, let me just take some laxatives and uh, probably go on the cycle. And I'll just shit my pants while I'm riding a bike, while I'm riding a stationary bike. I mean, that sounds like wrestling to me, right? Isn't that, that's that sport. It's it's all about weight. And if you can't make weight, then really the, those those coaches will... The sport it, is making weight. It's not the actual wrestling part. It's yeah. making weight is the sport. Cut, cut that half pound. I talked yeah, to I a, I talked to a wrestler. He's like, yeah, I cut I cut eight pounds in two hours. And I went, what did you do? Have a baby? <laughs> did you give birth? Is that how you get rid of eight pounds in two hours? You gave birth. This was a male. So then this wasn't like a male seahorse who gives birth. This was a male human being. And I mean, I think he was lying. Nobody can cut eight pounds in two hours, but. Maybe he did. I could. We used to weigh in before we got on the bus to go to the to wherever tournament or whatever we were at, and we'd weigh in at the locker room when we got to the school, so you knew if you were over or not, and if you had to lose some weight. And uh, I had it down to the point where I knew that I could lose a pound on the bus trip. So usually wherever we went, we was an hour long drive at least. And what did you do? Just run up and down the aisle? No, no, no. I'd bring an empty Mountain Dew bottle. An empty Mountain Dew bottle and a bag of lemon drops. And you put the lemon drops in your mouth and it makes you salivate a lot. And you just keep spitting it into the bottle. That is disgusting. And you can lose about a pound an hour that way. That is gross. <laughs> it really is. And I like to end the show on that. Unless, James, did you even talk about your personal athletic achievement? I didn't get through it all the way through the story. So oh, no. all right. Well, so then, we're still so going to end the show anyway. So Thank you, ladies actual, and gentlemen. For <laughs> so then we get to the actual match. And I'm wrestling a kid from Ithaca who's the defending, defending all-conference guy at 100 and uh, the coach tells me before the match he's like well we're going to bump you up to 112 after I make after I do all this to make 103 he's like well I hate to tell you this but we're going to bump you up to 112 so I had to wrestle this kid that at 112 that was an all-conference kid and I ended up pinning him in the third period 
And then, uh, you know, so I was all jubilant and everything. And then we had a second match that day, which was a non-conference match. And coach is like, okay, well, since you made weight, I'm going to let you wrestle at 103 this one, this time. And uh, in the second one, I wrestled this kid who I think had to weigh in with his clothes on to make the minimum weight, which I think was 90 pounds or something like that. At the and time. he also had to hold two five-pound dumbbells. Yeah, he was a small kid. And that's and so I got my fastest pin in high school ever in that match. I think it was 12 seconds. Um, so I had two big wins, and then the next day in the paper, like the coach talked all about me and stuff like that. So it's one of those articles I have cut out from when oh, I was in nice. high school. Nice. And what year were you in high school? Uh, that was, I was a junior in high school for that match. You were a tiny little junior if you were wrestling at 103. Yeah, I only wrestled at 112 as a senior. Wow. Yeah. Well, good show, guys. Enjoyed that. Hopefully you listeners out there enjoyed this podcast. That now brings this episode to an end. Uh, I wanted to just make sure that you guys come back on Saturday. We will be revealing the first all-region team. That will be the girls' golf all-region team. I bet you guys can probably take a guess at who's going to be the player of the year, but we're still going to reveal that last in the episode, so you're going to have to listen to the entire episode before we get to that. But again, thank you so much for listening to the 11th episode of the Get Around Podcast. I am Brendan Queeley. Again, alongside me this week, we're... Brett Summers and James Cook, have yourselves a wonderful rest of the week, ladies and gentlemen.